And after the second attempt, they go up and look at it. They put the prop on backwards. Ah, rookie mistake. <laughs> Our future somebody got a code red back at the hotel that night. Yeah. <laughs> Our future engineer folks that put the prop on backwards. <laughs> Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 154 of, you guessed it, RC Roundtable. I am Fitz Walker, last time I looked, and joining me is Lee Ray. Hello. And Monsieur Terry Dunn. Bonjour. Senor Don. <laughs> <laughs> Honestic. Senor Her. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Okay. No, now we get that out of the Terry. way. <laughs> Roll the R's. Terry. Don't make me French, all right? Just don't make me French. <laughs> what is the, uh, what is done? Is that, uh, do you know the uh, history behind it? Viking. Surname? I'm sure of that. <laughs> Viking, yeah. <laughs> It's Irish. <laughs> I mean that. Okay. Yeah. That explains my surly attitude. <laughs> yeah, it explains a lot, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay, well. You know, my name was given, apparently, is uh, Bastard Royalty. We're giving Fitz names. Well, hold I on. it up one day. So Anyways. Is it, is it Fitz Snow? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Or is it Fitz Sand? <laughs> All you Game of Thrones fans out there. We'll start calling you Fitz Snow. Fitz Snow, yeah. No, just kidding. Kidding, it's not real. I'm funny. So you are the offspring of an illegitimate child of some royalty? Did I understand my, you correctly? Uh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when I looked up my name, because I have such a goofy name, that's what I found out. It was like... Say again what you found out, because I don't. I'm not sure I followed you. I guess it's a little bit like what Lee said, like how, uh, you know, I guess illegitimate kids of royalty were giving snow in the Game of Thrones. Okay, apparently they were so, giving. Wait, so are all walkers snow? <laughs> no, 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 not the walker. Because then you'd be the wrong walker. <laughs> All right, now this is getting really way out of yeah. hand. Yeah, You're too obscure <laughs> with your references early. Yeah, that show hasn't been on in years. Oh my god, nobody watched that boobs and dragons show anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> well, we watched it when it was boobs and dragons. Then it went off yeah, the rails. Right. <laughs> it's my favorite part. All right. Well, speaking of favorite parts, uh, let's see what was new recently in the world of RC models. And by new, I'm meaning like what? Just an hour ago, I think. Was it you, Lee, that pointed something out to us? I just popped up on the market. Well, actually, I'm going to uh, give a shout out to our buddy, Nicholas Turner, who texted it to me and said, I'd like you guys to talk about this. So he sent me the link to Aloft Hobbies and this pretty awesome. Now, I have to say, is it FR Sky, Free Sky or First Sky? <laughs> Frisky. Frisky. Uh, yeah, I don't know you how know, people pronounce it. Pretty sure, didn't we ask them when we were at the AMA Expo West, and they said whatever. <laughs> <laughs> if I remember correctly, they're like, "Yeah, just pronounce whatever you want." So frisky is it, right? Okay, frisky, so frisky yeah. came out with this really cool 
a single or one stick or single stick transmitter, which kind of takes you back in time. But if you look at it, it takes you forward into, oh my God, it has 24 channels. <laughs> All right, hold on. I haven't looked at the link yet, so you guys are way ahead oh, of me. Oh, What's, really? Where is it? <laughs> Aloftobbies.com. Aloft, otherwise known as Aloft. <clears throat> Aloft. Aloft. FRC. I'm, I'm trying to keep a pattern here. It's like FR Epoxy. Epoxy. Dreamel tool. In the chat. <laughs> All right. Is it aloftobbies.com? Aloftobbies.com. Yeah, I'll okay. paste it in the, in the private chat here. Oh. <laughs> yeah, sorry, people at home. You, you don't get our private chat. How we, how we roll here. What the heck are we talking about? Oh, I see. Terry so anyway, Snow. they came out with wow. this slick black looking radio with red buttons and dials and a color screen and switches on the side and it's just it just begs like oh this is so cool retro and it really is you know it's one thing to like see your heath kit radio turn into 2.4 but and by the way when i say single stick for some of you from for some of you out there who are just used to a standard transmitter with you know gimbals that are up and down left and right this has also got rudder so it actually rotates as well it twists a so twist yeah, yeah. it has <laughs> one gimbal instead of two it's twisty. And, and it's is there a tiny. slider for throttle? Yeah, it's on the side. Oh, Which is, it, it, like is the, it on the side? The side? Or is, yeah. but like, there's also three variable knobs, so I wasn't sure it was that. I'm sure it'll be on the side because if you're holding it on what? No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying there's it, like switches on all the sides practically. Oh, yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> Don't sneeze, man, because you're going to hit a switch. Uh, yeah, like if you hold it in your left hand, if you're right-handed and you hold it in your left hand, you put your right hand on the knob, and then you use your left hand with the dial that's on the other side to reach it. So it just kind of rests in your arm there. And uh, I would say Tony Stillman showed me an old radio, old Futaba radio that he converted. And actually, they, they actually rotate the gimbal a little bit. The whole... No. Ah, so it's so not that, straight up and down. Yeah, so it's better. It's easier on your hand. Now I'm just giving that little hint there. That'd be a nice little feature for them to adjust that oh, in yeah. the future models. You know, 1.2 or 2.0. But still, I, I think what makes me laugh. I, I mean, it looks cool. It's definitely open source, so there's a lot of fun you guys can have with it. And you know, if you think you don't need it because you have a cool plane. No, I take that back. It's 24 channels. <laughs> There's so much you can do with it. You know, try to fly <laughs> everything on the single stick. That's the challenge. <laughs> wow. It, Make it, it looks pretty cool. If I were a Hollywood movie director and my bad guy was up to some nefarious things with a radio transmitter, this is what that transmitter would look like. <laughs> That's a good point. It, it's all black. It's very utilitarian looking. And it needs like a skull on the left, right? That yeah, open space is... there. So you have these like cars, someone's name in there. Kill John. That's a good point. There's plenty of space on the side to put, you know, some greebles or a little display or something evil, <laughs> evil, um, what do you call it? Uh, what was it? Or a puppy dog. I mean, whatever Avengers, you want to carve uh, in there. I bet that you could, that'd be great space for laser engraving. But boy, we're you, off topic. So the point you, is... You put a Hydra symbol on there for uh, Avengers, right? <laughs> oh, my God. See, we're already hyping up the, the decorative details on this thing and not the technical specs. All right. So hit me with some technical specs. Would you say 24 channels? 24 channels. Takes a 2S. Supports up to a 2S LiPo, I believe. Oh, gosh. I... I pulled, I dropped the specs, darn it. Let me click the more details button here. But uh, some things I, I, you know, first off, gosh, there's a whole bunch of features. I don't want to run all these off. 24 channels, uh, 2S LiPo battery, uh, all CNC digital hall sensor gimbals. I think I think they said the bearings on the gimbals are 10. I so, saw that, yeah, there's 10 bearings on the gimbal. 
man, those are like stuff I put on my inline skate. So yeah, really, like all the bearings, smooth, yeah. all the bearings, <laughs> uh, full telemetry, data logging. Oh, like unlimited model memories. So if you have a gazillion models, this is the one for you. And it's they like took I forgot what they said. They took the inners of one model. What did it say? The, the X10S. There you go. And they just shoved it in this cool looking box. So. Well, well, you say they. It looks like you have to shove it in there. They give you the parts, and you got to convert it. I think. No. Is that am I, is that right? No, is this no, no, no. Single stick kit. I don't see kit unless you buy it. You can buy a kit separately, but no. Oh, maybe it's a kit. No. Real That's what no. It says at the top of the screen. Are we looking at two different pages? The maybe you're, the Aloft single kit runs off runs off a FR Sky 10 X10S parts in a custom shell. My assumption is that their parts are already in there. Why would hmm. you want to build this thing? No, thank you. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm assuming they're using the word kit just because it's been converted, not because you have to do it. Please. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't want to wait for all those comments, but that can't be so. I would not want to put that together. That kind of ruins it for me. Well, there's no price here that would help us gauge that either. Yeah, it's not. They're all sold out. So yeah, we're kind of like hyping something that's currently vaporware. Yeah, I um, have to believe that it comes to you like this. Thank you. That's two votes. Woohoo! Uh, based on absolutely nothing, but I, yeah. I said lipo too. It says includes includes a two uh, a two S twenty six hundred lithium ion battery. So that's cool, and it also has a USB adapter and a USB and SD card slot for system expansion. And it's, as they said, it's open source. So um, obviously there's tons of stuff that, I, I mean, I don't have one of these radios, so I can't tell you yeah, how my experience. It's the same company that makes a Tyrannus, right? That we've talked about before, but we're dummies because none of us have ever used it. But lots of people like them. I don't know how popular that X10S is. I had, somebody in my club has one. Yeah. One or two people have them, Yeah. So, Lee, I thought you said the throttle slider was on the back, where you use it while you cradle. Well, that uh, the ones I've seen, they're on, usually on the back where your left hand can reach it. On this one, it could be that it's in the side, like the right side at the top. Maybe your hand can actually reach around it. But there are, the these three, there are these three glorious red knobs in the front that just beg you to push them and turn them and <laughs> see so, what happens. So well, I see what clearly looks to be the, the throttle slider on the side. Which side? On the side. The right the side, back. top. Yeah, but not on the back. Not in the back, no. Yeah. Okay. On the side, above the four switches. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of the back, and it's... No, not the back. Got some plugs, but... Keep keep scrolling. There's another picture that and shows... Interesting. pictures that sort of side. But there's also a knob on the very top, on the corner, because it's... Uh, what is that shape? <laughs> I don't know. Like a knobby thing. Uh, oh. what, it does look like there's a dot, because I like that knob better at the top corner, because it looks like it has uh, little grips on it. I think the other one might be a trim fits that's on the side. I think it's the knob Maybe. above that. And you, people are going, what, what is it? Explain it better. I can't tell you guys. But <laughs> go go to Aloft Hobbies and do a search for their single stick transmitter. It's really cool looking. And if you've flown gliders, uh, even ones that are powered, so you have like limited run motor aircraft, this would be a perfect little option there. And even, gosh, dare I say boats? Wait, what's the... D- why do you think it's advantageous for the LMRs? Because you, well, because you have the throttle control there. I mean, it's not like my craft that I just have up and down, <laughs> left and right. Okay. My point is, it's 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 a good three channel, so you know, elevator, rudder, and throttle. Okay, 
Hmm. Like my, my Electra. I mean, I think well, this would be fun for Electra. Do I want to pay 300 something dollars for this or whatever it is? No, but maybe I assume you're paying a premium to get that twist motion in the gimbal. So you would want to use it on something that takes advantage of that and all the pretty if, knobs and buttons and switches. You could do that. Yeah, so, so you wouldn't buy this and fly your slow stick with it, right? No, I might. Your 24-channel slow stick. <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> that's the challenge. Lee, you need to put 24 devices <laughs> on there your you slow go. stick. I but I'm curious, because to me, the location of the throttle slider or whatever it is, is important because you have to hold this thing somehow, right? And like you said, the traditional way is to cradle it with your left hand and you've got a slider on the back. That leaves your right hand to work the gimbal while you know the the rest of it's supported by your left hand so what's going on here you, you have to hold this thing somehow and at the same time operate with two hands and i'm just curious I how you're saying that mapped out it seems like it'd be kind of tricky to operate the, the buttons on the front if you're cradling this thing oh wait it says right here the... it says comes with foot pedal <laughs> foot pedal <laughs> voice activated <laughs> <laughs> chin activator oh which by the way there is voice control oh, not voice control but there is a, a voice system I th- i'm assuming it just comes with the, the effort it talks to you you don't talk to it, it. <laughs> that'd be great land my plane now avoid, from what i've heard tree. at least from tony who does conversions for single stick radios the a lot of people who have some sort of handicap that have trouble using two stick radios this is sometimes a solution for them Maybe if they only have one hand that functions well, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, very I good. actually knew a guy like that. He, his left hand wasn't really very functional, so he, he always used single-stick radios. Yeah. And, you know, uh, who's that helicopter guy? Curtis Youngblood, yeah. super-duper helicopter pilot. He always used single-sticks, I think just by preference. Good memory. He did for the longest time. He eventually went to two-sticks, but he did, did use single-sticks for... Yeah, I think when single-sticks became basically unobtainium, uh, he switched. But uh, most, at least early in his career, he, yeah, he flew single stick and I won championships say, doing it. Yeah, up until even a few years ago, he was still using them. But uh, I don't know nothing. So anyway, it, it's interesting. I'm not sold on the utility yet. It's pretty. It's clean. It's got lots of bells and whistles. Mm. But that I, is interesting. I really need to know the, the layout of it before I am convinced it's good. Yeah, it's funny. I have a couple of single stick radios, old ones. I have uh, the high tech made a little three channel one. I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah, that's what Still. we used with the Zaggies back in the day. Everybody had those. Yeah, it was a nice little radio. Yeah, they had the AM and the FM version. I think I had the FM. Oh, and oh, I forgot what it's called. Little three. It's in a drawer yeah. packed away. I haven't touched it for, in eons. Yeah. Uh, and I have the JR. Um, was it Century? Century. Series Century Nine or Century Seven, something like that, um, which was basically a box with a gimbal <laughs> and a bunch of knobs. <laughs> now those, uh, to be clear, didn't have the twist action on the gimbal. It was just a three-channel radio. Uh, the the high tech, yes, but no, but the JR has a, a twist on a knob. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it was it was a nine-channel radio. Yeah, so it had all kinds of fancy stuff on it. Now, something that I just thought about, there's two basic styles of stick grip, right? There's the pinch and the thumb. If you're a thumb guy... You're out of luck. <laughs> yeah, you're not using that twist. No, not very easily. 
Yeah, you have to Maybe modify you, you for that. Twist your thumb like you, you're twisting <laughs> it into somebody's eye. So this is a plan all along. It's trying to get us thumbs back to pinching, yeah. right? Well, we're all pinchers, aren't we? I'm not. Really? I'm thumbs. Thumb guy. Thumb so, guy. so I did I'm a proud quick of it. look. The euphemisms at, and jokes are just running amok in my yeah, head. Yeah, calm yourself, sailor. Uh, so interesting. I was looking at kind of the history of single sticks. I came across a thread on RC groups, and wait, one person wait, was you saying, "You looked up the history of single stick radios." Yeah, kind of. Just was curious. What have what you listened manage. to our show before? Hey, every once in a while, I do research. All right, go and ahead. One of, one of the things somebody mentioned was for a while they were popular, really popular with the pattern people. The pattern guy said because you could cradle it and you could really hold the transmitter steady. It was really good for precision flying. Huh. Okay. I thought that was interesting. At least a lot of people thought it was. They felt they felt it was easier for precision flying when you could hold a transmitter, cradle it very steady, and then just use that single stick. Uh, yeah. Even with a twist rudder. Uh, it was uh, apparently easier back in the day to fly pattern. Hmm. I may have talked about this before, but last summer... A guy in my club who had an older single stick radio, he had upgraded it to 2.4 and he had, it was an older plane with it. And I don't know, it was maybe like a a old Goldberg, like Falcon 56 or something like that. Mm. A fairly mild sport plane. And he let me fly it. And I was thinking it was going to be no problem. And it had the slider on the back. So you cradle it, work the throttle with the slider. Um, It was awkward. It I never felt comfortable in the one flight that I did. So, <laughs> yes, we were working a throttle slider on the side. It's yeah, and holding the transmitter like that, kind of yeah. It it was not as seamless as I thought it would be. Going into it, knowing how it's all supposed to work, and then it just not feeling the, like I thought it would. So I don't know if I could easily go back from two stick to one stick. I feel like I'd have to stick with one. Yeah, I had planned on converting that JR to 2.4 just for giggles, nothing serious, mm. just to to try see how I felt using a more sophisticated single stick, but it's packed away in a drawer somewhere. Does it have the frequency module? Yeah, it has a module on it. Oh, so yeah, it's just a plug and play, right? Yeah. To yeah. go to 2.4? Yeah. Right. Well, you should do that one day. Yeah, um, I had kind of forgotten about it. I need to go find it and maybe... Uh, Get get going on it, yeah. Because you need more projects. I need I need more projects. Too much we time need, on your hands. The twenty I already have is just not enough. I got to get more. All right. So we don't know when it's going to be actually available or how much it's going to cost. We just have pretty pictures, right? Millions yep. of dollars. Yeah, it was a shiny object that caught our attention. Thanks, Nicholas, <laughs> for sending it and, and getting us on this crazy roller coaster ride to describe it. But I, I'm. I think it'd like be cool. I mean, gosh, if it's sold for say 150 bucks, I mean, let's just put it out there. Well, the FR Sky stuff is usually pretty it's, inexpensive, relatively so. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are forums and chat rooms and dark corners of the web where lots of people know all about this radio already. So where if you're we one been? of those people, yeah, tell us what you know and you know, let us in on the secret. Tell us what you know, yes. So I see the regular X10 is 400 bucks, so... I oh, that okay. Would be cheaper. Yeah, I think if you compared the features of that radio to the mainstream, it's probably 
a lower price point, but I don't know. I've never made that comparison. <laughs> Terry, you're so right. I just happened to go to the uh, <laughs> a lot of forum. The web. <laughs> law forums. It, it came out in March. <laughs> you have to the, do a retina scan of it. Yeah. So, no, actually, I take it back. I'm looking at earlier. Oh my god, I had to go back a page. Okay. Yeah, we are way, way far behind. It came out last year. This time last year, someone was talking <laughs> about converting it. So I guess it just came around to being finished. And I'm looking at one guy, Wayne, the administrator, back on December 30th, had an actual display of the panel. Now, in this this prototype, those red buttons that we see in the photo, guys. Those, yeah. I think three or four red buttons. He actually had them on the left covering that big open space. So it looks like they eventually moved him off to the right. So hmm. a photo here, it says we are nearly done with this project. And that was posted March 4th of this year. So okay. we are behind. And it is a shiny little thing. But hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we've reached some other people out there who go, hey, that that is cool. And uh, and you know what? I'll post this link up too to the forum. So you guys catch it on our RC Roundtable uh page on our facebook because we list all the links and you guys can see the progress and a couple of people posted their old radios to show a comparison so hmm. this looks like a lot of fun i'm i'm looking forward to following up with someone out there who might purchases at purchase it and let us know wait so it is a kit no 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 or, i'm no okay. i didn't mean that i'm just saying I'm, I'm looking at photos of it so obviously it's been there are people talking about it but i'm saying there's some old radios that are they're comparing, you know, how they're how the handle, uh, how it's held in your hand and stuff like that. And this okay. is kind of like the talk I had with Tony Stillman. So, anyway, so, let's. Well, so, the one question I have left is: Is this a FR Sky product, a Frisky product, or is this an Aloft Hobbies independent conversion or something? Whether it's turnkey or a kit. I, I don't know if those two companies are in cahoots to make this. So, so now we have to apologize to our listeners. We did not do the research that you're asking the questions now, which we probably should have done. Well, that was our off- disclaimer up front. We just got this info. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. Now, there's clearly, it says right here in third paragraph, it says the Aloft single kit runs off a FreeSky X10S parts in a custom shell. So this looks like it's an Aloft product because they oh. call it the Aloft single kit. Well, my guess is they they take the guts and they put it in this shell. I don't. I still don't think you're going to be the one to do it. I think they are disassembling the other ones and making this unique. Case. Well, yeah, but at least by the name, it looks like it's an Aloft product, regardless. Gotcha. Is there something about the FCC that you're not allowed to work on your own radios, mm-hmm. or is this because they're below one, whatever the power output is? I don't know. Because it used to be you weren't even supposed to change your own crystals, right? Because that was considered modifying or something. Well, Am I just talking ye- out of my butt? That was years ago. That yeah, years back ago. when everybody did 72 no, and 27 and 75. I think they would recommend that if you did change crystals, you should retune it uh, or have it retuned. But I don't think there was anything illegal about Did anybody crystals. ever do that? Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just talking through my fanny. Again, there's there's people out there who know what we're trying to say. So get us. (laughs) Do they? Straighten us out. They can pretend if they don't. (laughs) 
All right. Well, welcome to the RC Roundtable. You get yesterday's news today. Yeah, I'm just gonna say this was all. By the way, that little piece right there that was for Nicholas. If your name is not Nicholas, I'm sorry we bored you. But Nicholas, there was our conversation. You win. So, guys, if you'd like us to talk about something for you, <laughs> send us a link to a product, and we will bastardize it terribly yeah. on air. Do you think it was a trap? Let's see if we'll talk about this. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> all right. How much time did we spend on that one? Too much. Nah. <laughs> Postulating and theorizing, making stuff up. All, All right, right, so what's what next? we got next? <laughs> Say stereo. I don't know. You got the list, Harry. Um, oh, there's a swap meet coming up. Tell us all about it, Lee. Oh, I... <laughs> Did you flip the coin decide it was me? So, all right. Is the third annual Richardson Radio Control Club RC Swap Meet and Auction. Wait, third Saturday, annual? The third. It's Only the third? Third annual, yeah. Oh, what guess longer. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Saturday, August 20th. Put it on your calendar. Fitz and I went last year. I brought along my son, Ryan, too. And he ended up scoring big time on airplanes because not only did I get him that F-15, which was in good shape, and it's one of his favorite planes, the E-Flight F-15, mm. but we were also gifted an aircraft at the actual club. They had some leftover planes that were donated that no one bought. And and a nice club member, I, I apologize, I don't remember the name, but he um, he handed it to Ryan. So mm, Nice. It's a really cool plane. We haven't worked on it yet. We had so many other projects, but it is it is in the garage. So a lot, a really nice swap meet, fellas. And I would encourage you to go to our Facebook page and look in our photos gallery. There's actually one there that I took several photos of the event, and I actually picked up two great planes for myself. I picked up a Twister, a new inbox Sig Twister control line that my dad once had. Oh, nice. So, so I was very happy. Not about great that. planes, but Sig. Did I say great planes? A great. It was, Yes, okay. I was trying. Is a it was a great plane. Thank you, from Sig. Yeah, okay. from Sig. And uh, I think what was the other joke? Well, one of the stories <laughs> Fitz and I had told. I remember this now. Is um, Richard <laughs> doing this great thing? I remember we just showed up. We were there pretty early, and I see Richard go up to this guy who's bringing a very old guy. He's bringing in a whole bunch of kits in a grocery cart. And he's putting stuff down, and I'm looking at it. And the next thing I know, Richard's taking everything off the table and putting it in his pile. He bought the rest <laughs> of the guy's collection right from underneath me. So I was like, wait, wait, I'm like... <laughs> so he took everything. So you got to be on the lookout, guys. Uh, the deals are made fast. The How entire... much for your girls? I want to buy your women. <laughs> the entire table. But anyway, uh, it's coming up, and you know we are a sponsor of this event because we like uh, reporting back, and maybe we'll do a live show this time. What you think, Fitz? You up for a live show, a live swap meet show? Yeah, sure. After yeah, I can't money. wait. That will be so much fun. Uh, what, why are you sad? Because I won't be there. Oh, well. But hey, it hasn't stopped you from buying anything when we're doing a live show. Yeah, really. You, could just, you yeah, could just okay. <laughs> join in and say, hey, give them five bucks uh, for that. And then we do it. Two of those one of these. <laughs> I'll, you know what? I think this time we should get like a little iPad with your face on it. And just walk around. <laughs> Not Terry Dunn. I buy things. Um, so. That's the second time tonight you've suggested an inanimate version of me is better than the real thing. <laughs> well, I get to see the real thing in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk about that soon. Uh, but anyway, let's go back. Yeah, don't to jinx it yet. Uh, let's uh, let's point this out. If you go to rrcc.org, that is the Richardson Radio Control Club's website, you can find the event there. But also, you we have the event listed on our RC Roundtable Facebook page. What's so that address put, again? rrcc.org. 
RCC. Arse, yeah. Richardson Rail Control. Arse. And uh, it, it is a, it's a fun field. We actually did a video. I think I did a snapshot of Richardson now that I think about it. It's been a while. I got to go check my AMA files there. But Wait, is the swap meet at the field or some other? Negative, Ghost Rider. The swap meet is Allen High School Cafeteria, 300 Rivercrest Boulevard in Allen, Texas. All right. It's a really big cafeteria, too. Oh, like, humongous. Yeah. yeah. It's hmm. probably the largest swap meet in the in that area. Hmm. All right. Maybe even in Texas. I think it's bigger than Georgetown, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd argue it's bigger than Georgetown. I would say it is, except I keep thinking about all the stuff that's outside of Georgetown. Well, true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you combine indoor and outdoor, I think Georgetown wins. But in this case, the inside, I would say it's pretty big. And I think we talked about this in the past, and maybe, Terry, you can remember. Did, did, we, did Weatherford end, or did it just change locations? Because I know that people at Richardson were talking about how the this one's much bigger now. Because maybe the Weatherford was smaller. It's my understanding that the Weatherford changed locations and it's called something else now. But it's mm-hmm. essentially the same people. Okay, but in this case, it was definitely a nice swap meet. We I, I came home with lots lots of goodies, so yeah, good yeah, good so deal for I. me. And and I bought stuff from Fitz. <laughs> You <laughs> <laughs> drove all the way to Dallas. I know to, to, to buy, buy stuff, stuff from Fitz. Fitz, which reminds me, I drove all the way to meet him at an event this weekend, and we forgot to give each other stuff. It's totally yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, crazy. so what's the date on that again? Saturday, August twentieth. Just one on day. One day. It's all you need. Okay. Bring your cash. Over one hundred and fifty tables. Twenty-five thousand square feet. Dead gum. Oh, and right. table table sales start July fourth. Does it note the price on there? General admission is five dollars. How much for a table? Uh, uh, go to rrcc.org for information. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them we sent you. Okay. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, get the RC roundtable discount. It's <laughs> only five dollars to get in. Cheap RC roundtable upcharge. Upcharge. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, All right. But cool. Now that we've talked about events. Fitz, I've done the swap meet. You do the June Warburg Rally at Bomber Field. Uh, yes, that was a mere two days ago. Uh, and they had their annual Any Size Warbird fly-in, which is a really nice event. You can go there with Any Size Warbird because usually Bomber Field stuff is big and big stuff. Big, ginormous, Texas-size air, aircraft. But the Any Size is nice because you got big, small, fast, slow, and all kinds of stuff. So... Well, I have a question uh, for you. It yeah. says any size right in the name, but does any size show up or is it still pretty much big stuff? No. no Ab- yeah. Absolutely any size stuff. All right. Because yep. Paul was flying his little P-47 trying to cut the prop off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't. think I know which picture you're talking about. Is that the E-Flight version that Fitz has? Yep. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. When there, he's flying up a storm with it. There's a few smaller stuff. There was um, Chris. I forgot his last name. Had a little uh, B seventeen. That's actually pretty small, relatively speaking. Uh, and Dunnan. Yeah, Chris Dunnan. That's it. Oh, and there's, there's a few let, other. Let's note this down. I have another B seventeen topic after all this is done. So okay. don't let me forget that. Okay, go ahead. Uh, and I had a, I had a couple small electrics myself. Uh, Michael Rosnick came down from Dallas. He had some medium-sized electric 
stuff he was flying. Well, he brought his B-25, and he also brought the B-2. Yeah, it's no, the B-2. No helio choppers? Yeah, he did. And a, heli- and a helio okay. chopper. In fact, uh, I got a story about that. He brought down a really neat-looking um, Apache helicopter Ooh. based around, if I remember correctly, or T-Rex 500 mechanics. Does he ever fly the same helicopter twice? Uh, <laughs> yes. But let me just say that he has a lot of helicopters. Yeah, that's every time you guys talk about him flying a helicopter, it's a different helicopter. He's got a lot of pokers in the fire when it comes to helicopters. He's always working on some. He loves scale helicopters, and he's always working on some stuff, uh, different stuff, unique stuff, rare stuff. So he's just, yeah. And he makes it look good. So he did something very generous. He let me fly his Apache. Nice. And so and he took some pictures of it. So if you see some pictures, it's probably me flying and him taking pictures of it. And uh, it was interesting because it's a, it was a fairly heavy helicopter for its size. Uh, but he was generous enough to trust, entrust me to fly around. So I took it up and kind of did some some small circuits. And we, were, we went off in the back by ourselves and uh, just kind of tooled around with it a little bit. It was, it was really neat to fly. I don't have a whole lot of experience flying scale helicopters, so it's, so it's they fly different than your typical sport helicopter. So it's okay. an interesting experience. Is it the scale features that make it heavy? Uh, yeah, usually you, you've got, um, of course, the scale fuselage and all the details, and a lot of times there's extra parts inside for, mm. the, for the tail mechanism. He's, instead of a straight tail, you've got bends in the tail, which just needs extra pieces of equipment. Okay. And uh, gears, and sometimes extra weight to balance the thing. Uh, I think you uh, use heavier batteries than normal, just to sort of balance. Scale rotors? Uh, yeah, I had four-bladed rotor with uh, really neat-looking wingtips or rotor tips. Huh. So look, it, very, very scale. This guy, he's a pretty good stickler for scale. So it had a four-bladed. It was neat because it had a four-bladed tail rotor and a four-bladed main head. Huh. Uh, so it... Uh, so it looks it looks apart. There's a couple of pictures of it in the air, and it looks like the real thing. All right, nice. Yeah, it was very nice. So, did Lee take those pictures? No, Mike okay. did. He had his own camera. Lee oh, took okay, other so. pictures. Yeah. All right. So, what else uh, happened in Bomberfield? Lee, what did you fly? Well, I brought my Flightline P38 and flew the crap out of it at Bomber. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> your supercharged P38. Yeah, yeah, that thing flies great. I <laughs> thanks, thanks, Fitz, for being my spotter both times. Yeah, no problem. Oh, we got to see. Um, oh, I forgot his name. Uh, the guy who's building a big, ginormous mosquito. His, his name is Mike McCormick. He Mike is the McCormick, owner of my favorite so far P thirty eight, that electric Zeroli that he scratch built is awesome. But yeah, he's building this incredible mosquito, and I think uh, I had to like wipe Fitz's face <laughs> twice because he kept drooling on it. It's beautiful. It's ginormous. It's I was ginormous. thinking, you guys sent me a picture. I thought it was like another Bailey's bomber, like scaled down just enough to fit one person in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great reference. <laughs> Took me a second. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Is it yeah. Bailey or Bally? I forget. Uh, I, I say Bailey, but and that okay, reminds whatever. me. That reminds me. Write this down. I did. I tell you, I reached out to him last year. Oh yeah. After, at from Oshkosh, and then I got his email. I got his contact information, and I emailed him and said, "Hey, I'd love for you to do a flyby at Bomber for the B seventeen thing." And he responded, he would love to do it, but his plane was tied up, and so I've got to remind him to put that on his schedule because I think seeing that flyover be the 
B seventeen Big Bird fly in would be epic. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. <laughs> almost as almost as epic as seeing Fitz almost get his head cut off by that flyby. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll talk about that. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Warburg uh, Rally, really good. I, I posted some photos. They're in there. In fact, I'm I posted my cell phone photos on our Facebook page gallery. I'm working on the Canon shots, so they should be done this week. All right, cool. I look forward to seeing those. I put a few up. Did you see the one I I shared with uh, Paul? Are you friends with Paul Bingham, Fitz? Yeah, the low pass. Yeah, did you see the low pass? Did you see the prop actually churning up the grass? Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, the P47. Oh, yeah. I saw that, and I was going to ask you to borrow it for a certain uh, account I manage. Sure, I'll be happy to. I'm sure he won't mind. And mm-hmm. he was he was really, really pushing him hard. I mean, that's what he that's his favorite thing. I mean, and he does a good job at it. So, except for that one time where he actually did stop. <laughs> he, did come, he did come to a stop. And he, I love how he went over to us. Oh, there's landing gear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, any highlights from the event? Oh gosh, I I think my favorite story fits. I don't know where you were. You were not where you should have been. But this guy took his B-17, big one, which a previous flight, they have to hold it back. I don't know if it's because it didn't have brakes, but they are always holding it until they you know, let go and it just takes off. Well, they had had some engine problems. They got it running. The guy let go, and it just, I think he only had rudder. I'm not kidding you. I don't know what the deal was. The plane was just wiggling back and forth. It went at the end of the runway. It turned right behind the fence line and kept going behind the tank area fits oh yeah i saw that going it happened (laughs) just as i was walking back with mike to go fly the helicopter and so we saw go all the way down and we we actually went to the back of the parking lot near where they drive the tanks yeah and it had gone back there it was past way past the pits i have a video until the guy walked in front of me so i have the video showing the takeoff (laughs) it's like well i'm sorry (laughs) <laughs> the run <laughs> the drive down the runway uh, yeah, it's just, yeah it's the craziest thing though i just i've never seen that i mean we've seen planes just taxi off into the grass in fact there was another b-17 that did in fact uh went too fast and, and it went into some bushes and stuff no no big damage um but as far as uh, that was exciting that was an exciting Wait, moment let me make sure i understand this it started to take off and then it lost control except in the rudder he he well he was hoping to take off. I'm glad it didn't leave the ground. We were all talking about how grateful we were, but it, it, it appeared as if he only had rudder because he was actually moving it along the, the runway. It was going back and forth, but the engines weren't changing. There was no aileron movement. There was no elevator. It just ruddered all the way down at, I don't know, half throttle maybe, and just kept driving. I wonder if he had separate receivers or separate batteries for different control surfaces and one of them conked out. I kind of wonder why he didn't step stand behind it and check everything first. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but but whatever what was whatever the, the case. end result, he broke sheared a wing off. Oh, did it? Yeah, and yeah. tore the gear out. Ooh. But they said overall it looked it was repairable. So, huh. all right. But as far as like the uh, <laughs> got excited, I mean, I I didn't have my camera on me. I was trying to do a. a I don't even want to tell you what I was doing. I was doing a vertical video. <gasps> <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, I repent just, the sinner. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, it's just, it was so awful. I was like, oh, why? Uh, but I digress. Uh, so that was that. What about the, what about award-winning aircraft? Do you remember Fitz? What, what some of them were that won? Uh, the big pipeline won something. Best to show, I think. Um, 
uh, 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 Mike Rosnick won Best Electric. Was his B two? Yeah, I don't know about that. Not, <laughs> my P thirty eight was doing some really nice passes. He was just a black <laughs> thing flying in the air. <laughs> I With think a it was the of it. I was. <laughs> It was hands-on, man. Uh, what else? Uh, did um, jealousy is not your color, did, Lee? Did Grant win something? Did he win? Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Uh, did Grant? Oh, Grant Schroeder. Yeah, he did. Uh, World War Two for his P fifty one. Yes. Now this was. We got to mention this. Um, Grant. I think he's. Um, I saw him at the SAE event. I guess I'll have to talk about that in a minute. Um, and he was flying that P fifty one in a really, really compelling way. Uh, compelling yes <laughs> uh, he was flying it like pedal to the metal i have ailerons watch me roll i mean well it wasn't just rolling you could oh, tell no. that he flew a lot of pattern flying because these were very precise and specific types of rolls i so am he, not knocking his talent i'm just saying he flew that like to the extreme to the limits and it was amazing yeah it was very impressive it was just neat to watch it's like i'd never seen anybody fly a warbird like that and it was just, he deserved to win something because it was just really neat how he was flying it. It's hard to describe. Imagine a mixture of pattern and high-speed 3D kind of flying with a P-51, doing things that you wouldn't think a P-51 would be able to do that well. I mean, if Grant and Chris got together, that'd be one hell of a company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I hear you talking about this flight. Did anybody think to record this flight? I took lots of photos of his flight, but I didn't do video. Oh, yeah, I didn't okay. bring my video camera this time. And I have a pretty cool shot of a flyby, so I'll share that in our gallery. Okay. All right, so uh, that was Bomber Field. Yep. Was that the only event you went to? Who are you I talking know the to? answer already. Yep. Either one of you. Do you want to talk about a flight you made, Fitz, or are you saving that? Uh, I'll say that to when we get to that. All right. <laughs> that was very eloquent. So I don't think it was as crowded. We had about 50 to 60 pilots yeah. there. It was good, though. I mean, there was, uh, you know, weights when needed. Didn't uh, Very nice time. It was, you know, the weather was a little hot come, what, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. But other than that, uh, a lot of fun. It was actually almost too shady at first because it was, gosh, it had so much contrast for photography. So I didn't get a lot of good stuff earlier in the day. But uh, I had a lot of fun. Glad I brought my P-38. I wasn't sure I'd have time to get it together, but threw it in the car, and it flew awesome. Uh, met a lot of nice people. Glad to see Michael there. Mm. You know, he likes when he comes down. And he let me fly that B-25 last year. That's, oh, really? It's the, it's the same kit that I have. Oh, cool. The For Ryan, and you know, they're both going to be heavily modified. modified. How's um, that coming along? It's dusty. It has not been touched because I'm still working on the trailer. We finished. I'll jump into this real quick. The garage was empty at a point when we had to get my wife's car in when the storms came. So I moved all the airplane stuff into the dining room. They're still there because once that happened, once the storm passed, we started working on Eagle's, uh, excuse me, Austin's Eagle project in the garage. So that had been in the garage for three weeks working on that. And when as soon as that project was done... I had the trailer to work on, so um, not much work on the planes right now. When do you think you'll start getting the stink eye about that stuff in the dining room? Um, I, I'm, uh, I'm sensing the stink eye. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in fact, I, ha- I don't hesitate to say this, but I heard the doorbell a second ago, and when people come in and they see that big fiberglass fuselage on the table, they're probably going, what is this? So I'm sure my wife will remind me, did you know there's some planes on the table? 
your centerpiece. It's, it's exquisite. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, I just added another P38 to my collection, which fits. <laughs> was just this timing was perfect. He, as soon as he saw me buy that thing, he goes, "You cannot complain about my zeros anymore." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who has more of their favorite? Oh my god, I'm I'm pretty sure I finally outnumber Fitz and zeros. Uh, okay. Fitz, you're gonna have to do a count, and we will put them up side by side. Yeah, yeah you guys go. need to take a day and. You take all your P38s, Fitz takes all the zeros, and y'all just scramble. Last, last man standing. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, right. it's funny, too, because in World War II, those were the two those were adversaries, classic adversaries. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, tell me the story behind that, Lee. Uh, I'll make it quick. It, it, what was it called? Legend Hobbies? Was that the yes, yeah. Legend Hobbies? It, or Legend it, Hobby, I think. Legend Hobby. Uh, yeah, it's not related to Legend Hobbies uh, from Tomas. But uh, it's an older kit. I had seen it before. It's 83-inch wingspan. It's an ARF. And 83? That's pretty big. Absolutely. It's like, uh, here's how the stars aligned. I made a post in Facebook, and let me get through this quick. we got so much to talk about. But Mike McCormick, my good friend Mike, who came down from Minneapolis, who has that lovely Zeroli P38, he was out there with Mosquito talking to Fitz. And while I'm taking pictures, I kid you not, <laughs> he taps me on the show and goes, you like P38s, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah. And he goes, let me show you something. And he Does walks me over. Is the Pope? <laughs> <laughs> he Is walks water? me into the uh, clubhouse and says, this came from uh, a club member who's unfortunately ill uh, and his estate's being sold. And they had this kit and they're selling it. It's an open like auction sale. And so um, they haven't asked anybody yet. They just kind of got it. But I think uh, I can get, make a deal for you if you want to pay cash. And then the club president came up to me, and we had a little talk. And like three seconds later, <laughs> I shook his hand, and then <laughs> it was mine. <laughs> maybe two seconds. I maybe I added a second. I was, but seriously, he made me an offer I could not refuse. And Mike, thank you for for thinking about me. And it's actually quite perfect because even though, yes, I have a lot of P38s and I teasingly told Fitz, I was like, I think I, I acquired one for 20 bucks, you know, so that kind of balances the price I pay now. It's kind of evens it out. But <laughs> I don't have, I don't have any a P38 that's larger than 80 inches that qualifies as giant scale, except for the yellow aircraft, which is yet to be built. So it, it makes me smile because I think I can get that done PDQ for the big bomber event coming in September. So um, thank you, Bomber Field USA. The money they said would go wisely to help them do some upgrades. And in fact, that was one thing Barry uh, Rayburn said at the uh, event. He was talking about how all the funds were going to go to in, improving the, the runway and uh, fixing some fences and you know parking area, stuff like that. And uh, there you go. How much That's did you pay for this thing? I paid. Well, you don't have to say it on the air, but you're just talking about all the stuff they're going to do with the money. And it, <laughs> it, it worked. Well, not everything based on that. No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're adding a second runway over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, you know, Bailey's bomber. We're actually going to have it hangered here. That's right. Um, all right. You can tell was, me offline. I will tell you offline. I paid a fair price. Fitz was there. Okay. He knows I got a very good deal. Um, but if we start talking about how much I'm spending on this trailer, I don't want to talk about any planes I'm buying right now. Well, I do want to ask about the P-38. Does it include any electronics? It does. It does. So was it designed for electric? Yes. At 83 inches, really? 83 inches, two engines, two ESCs, and electric landing gear. 
Really? And is yeah. uh, it like the center pod was fiberglass, or am I making that up? Is it all balsa? Um, it's, it, it is fiberglass. There was balsa. It was you know laid out so thin. Yeah, it's structured. What about the booms? I didn't pull them out. What? You didn't the, take they, it home and? It's no. I just God. Yeah, they were all. Everything was wrapped. Everything was wrapped. They just pulled the center section out to stick the electronics in there. Okay. Well, congratulations, buddy. Nice score. It was. It's a good score. All right. <laughs> Makes up for that mystery RC box that was missing. <laughs> hey, you were happy with that too. I was, but I was like, dang, I really would have liked that sander. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that was went pretty long. Was there something else I needed to touch on? From Bummer. Yeah, yeah. I tried to leave Bomber ten minutes ago, and you guys oh. just renewed it. So now, what's the other event that fits one to? I went to the Society of Automobile Engineers Aero Design Contest in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> what's the acronym that Sparky said it is? See airplanes explode. <laughs> i saw your videos fits that ain't far off yeah yeah especially one exploded pretty good uh so yeah this was neat to go to this event i hadn't been to it in several years uh definitely since before um uh we had the the shutdown for everything due to the the unnamed virus uh, so it was interesting to see what the attendance would be like. It was a little lower than usual, but not bad. There were still quite a few international teams, including one from uh, South Korea for the first time ever. Interesting. Were the Polish, was the Polish team there? Uh, yes, there was at least one Polish. I think there might have been two different Polish teams there. Did they have uh, fancy composite stuff again? Yes, they did. And yeah. <laughs> we noted that. that it's, it's interesting that the Polish teams always has these really fancy composite structures. Yeah. Uh, so um, the teams are supposed to do all the work themselves. Now, of course, the Eastern, a lot of Eastern Europeans are really good at composite. A lot of the models come from out of there. So it could yeah. be they, they just have a lot of local expertise, you know, just in the water, basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they had some really nice stuff. Uh, there was, um, they had a all composite sort of lifting body micro class and they had a all composite, uh, advanced class as well. I don't remember if they had a standard class. So these are collegiate teams that yes. build models based on a very specific set of requirements that I guess come out the previous year. They have a long time to work on it. Yeah. They, they have come here a year. to... Yeah, they do an engineering presentation and then they actually fly the things. Yes, so it's very much a very organized, very regimented, in extremely strict rules. And in three classes, they have the what they call the micro class, the I think the regular class or standard class, and the advanced class. And all three are generally pretty well. The standard class is generally the most populated, but all of them are pretty well attended. They're all electric powered. Uh, there's, it's only for college students, as Terry just mentioned, uh, and they have to get presentations, it's design theories, they got to go in front of judges, and all the aircraft is inspected before it flies, and, <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. Um, so, what was I going to say? So this year it was interesting, the rules, the micro class weren't so micro this year, and it was interesting that they had to take off from a table. An eight-foot-long fold-up table that they'd stick on the runway when they're when they're launching, uh, and you couldn't push it. You just got to just let it go, and 
have fun. Good luck. Uh, so that's Could a really you secure int- it for the run up. You could hold it for the run up. Okay. So you had to, there's one student that would hold it, and you go to full throttle, and when you get the nod from the pilot, he'd let go. Uh, the micro class had to carry uh, those two different payloads. One was pizza boxes, really small, like single person pizza box of a standard size, and some okay. other some other kind of box. It was more cubish, but I'm not sure what they called it. Now there's nothing inside the boxes. Just you get points for how many boxes you can carry, and I think you can get extra points for weight in the aircraft as well. Uh, I haven't checked all the rules. Uh, but the most more interesting was the regular class in that they had to carry soccer balls. Wow. And in a certain configuration and some teams, you know, they, they were able to shove maybe three or four soccer balls. And then you had A&M, which had a couple dozen soccer balls shoved in their aircraft. You mean Texas A&M? Texas A&M, yes. Okay. Texas dozen? A&M had some. Yes, they. Had, <clears throat> I think the last flight I saw, they had twenty six. I think uh, soccer balls. Okay. They had a very unusual looking aircraft. It looked like a, a wig, you know, wing and ground effect vehicle. Mm-hmm. It didn't really look like an airplane. It had really, really short, stubby wings with really, really thick airfoils. It was long. It was far longer than it had wingspan. Uh, and you have to do all this on a thousand watts of power. They're power regulated, so. Anything more than 1,000 watts, the regulator will shut down or, or reduce the power. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But it flew. These things flew surprisingly well. Uh, and it was all how kind much just okay. the balls weighed. I, each ball has got to weigh what? A pound or two? I, I, I don't know. Maybe even if they're half a pound, that's a significant weight for 1,000 yeah. watts. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was amazing. I mean, it Pre- barely got battery? off, but yeah. oh, go ahead. No, that's it. I'm just calculating in my head just approximations here and the power loading had to be nothing per pound but go ahead yeah uh let's see i'm gonna go through my notes here what uh see some of the more interesting things (laughs) one team they attempted to take off and it just didn't sound right and it didn't have it wasn't developing enough power and sort of just too long on the on the runway and like what Something doesn't sound right about their their motor prop setup. And after the second attempt, they go up and look at it. They put the prop on backwards. Ah, <laughs> rookie mistake. Rookie mistake, but they had ran out of time, so they they couldn't do that oh. round. So, oh man, it was like yeah, you, you put the prop on backwards. Our oh, future somebody en- got a code red back at the hotel that night. Yeah, <laughs> our future engineer folks that put the prop on backwards. Uh, <laughs> it matters. Um, uh, let's see. The first day was pretty cold and windy. Uh, no, it wasn't cold and windy. First day was really windy, and then it got cold the third day for a while. Um, even though this was a little later in the year than they usually do. Uh, let's see. The, one of the Polish teams, they took off, the microclass, took off, and it flipped inverted. It stayed like that for several seconds, and then it rolled it right side up and, perf- and proceeded to do a nice landing. Nice. Was yeah. that a student pilot or one of the villains? Not sure. It was a Polish team. Uh, so we, we should we probably talk- point that out, that if they didn't have competent pilots on their team, the club would lend them a scope pilot. Yes, and I should mention, we just mentioned Grant, who won an award for flying his P-51 in very uh, an entertaining way. He was a pilot, designated pilot for several teams, and... Uh, he did a remarkable job flying some aircraft that were 
probably almost unflyable. <laughs> and one of the teams were basically idolizing him for being able to fly their plane and get it back in one piece. Uh, they, 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 they had a major bromance going on with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so he, he did really good. Uh, I, I didn't really mention the advanced class. Advanced class this year was interesting in where, uh, they had another parasite plane that they would drop, but this plane was also self-propelled. It wasn't a glider like previous years and it had, uh, image recognition built into it. So before they would fly, the judges would say, okay, you have to hit a target that's this color and there will be multiple color targets on the ground. And so they had to take off, acquire the target, then fly away, launch their little drone. The drone would have to do a 180 and then try to land on that target all autonomously. Ah, oh, jeez. Once, once it was dropped. Uh, yeah. And it's, suffice to say that very few were able to perform it with any uh, consistency. Uh, other ones saw one drop that went straight down. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there was no flying involved. It said, ah, this is where I'm going. Yep. But did it hit the color? Uh, one came no. kind of close, but, and there was a manual override. If, if, cause one actually, they dropped it going and it just went away. It didn't ever turn. Oh. It just kept going and going and going. Oh, and we're like, no. where's it going? And they finally hit the manual override and did a 180 with it, but it was going to bu- go across the lake if they hadn't done that. <laughs> uh, and several teams had problems just dropping. They couldn't release. They'd release and they wouldn't fall off. Oh, so man. they had problems with the release mechanisms. Uh, so they had a lot of, lot of. Uh, so anyways, it's a very fun event. There were some, some epic crashes. I, you know, I made a video of, of most of the crashes. Uh, and some good saves. Uh, I have a, let's see, University of Michigan did really well. Texas A&M, I think, won. Uh, oh, really? The, Didn't they have a mid-air, like, break-apart? They had a break-apart. Structural apart. failure? There's, uh, yeah, it's on video where apparently um, since they load the plane through the wing and with a sort of a door flap, that flap came loose, the tape came loose or something, and it just killed all the lift on that left wing. And it just pulled it right out of the air. And that's when it was carrying at least a couple dozen uh, soccer balls. And so, oh, yeah. It hit the ground. It was like a yard sale. Yeah. Soccer balls. It, it kinda, yeah. It was kind of kind of funny in its way because it hits the ground. These balls are bouncing all over it. Yeah. Bouncing all over the place. Uh, but but That yeah. reminds me of Graben's aborted takeoff in the T-33. Oh, Was yeah. it the same kind of thing? But a fuselage panel instead of a wing panel? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but these, the Texas A.M. had gotten off the ground. He was about to, from looking at the video, it looks like the pilot was about to initiate a, a 180 turn. So he probably would have made it around, but uh, it, it came apart. But they had two planes, so they had two identical planes, so they had a spare. Uh, okay, I didn't know you could have a backup plane. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, the Koreans, uh, they lost both their planes. One looked like it suffered some sort of elevator control failure and just dove straight into the ground. And then the other one, I didn't get caught on video. Um, it the wing folded in the air, uh, so they were down two planes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, there was a U- University of Texas Permian Basin had a really neat looking plane in standard class. It looked like a business jet, just just missing the two rear engines. It was <laughs> just just a really nice looking, neat looking plane. Uh, uh, oh, um, Georgia Tech. 
Uh, I think they won a microclass, and they had the coolest microclass aircraft. Uh, you know those paper those paper airplane models you could build, highly swept delta wing. Yeah, looks like a folded airplane, kind of mm-hmm. like that. It just didn't have the vertical part on the bottom. It was just a big kind of a flying wing, highly swept delta. Fast, really faceted looking. Looks like a traditional balsa construction, covered in I think transparent yellow. It was just really neat. Uh, I, I went to him and said, hey, if you don't want that plane, I'll take it, because that's just a cool-looking plane. <laughs> and it did really well. It did. A, I think they won the class. Okay, cool. You'll see it. It's in the video. One of them, it had a shaky takeoff, but it came around, no problem. Uh, so, I uh, don't know what else I can say, other than uh, it was a good event. We were live-streaming it, something new this year. So you can go to FlyCamDFW YouTube channel, and you can look at all the live streams we did in one-hour chunks throughout the weekend as well. You did a nice short video that had some highlights, and I thought that was enjoyable. So that would be the place to start. Yeah, if you go to my YouTube channel, Hobby View, one word, I did a sort of uh, wild world of SAE video. It's only what, 10 minutes long. And you'll see a bunch of crashes and a bunch of saves and uh, some interesting stuff flying around. It's a good cross-section of what flew there uh, to get an idea. It's a really interesting design these kids come up with. Oh, and you almost got hit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That uh, the Polish team uh, almost took me out. <laughs> <laughs> so th- that was actually a really neat-looking, uh, neat uh, design for a microclass. It was all carbon fiber, and it had actually... The first flight had had a retractable nose gear, uh, but that flight apparently had taped it up or something happened and it wouldn't quite work. Uh, but it took off and did a, a jerk to the left towards the flight line, and it came with, I don't know, maybe five feet of me or so. I wasn't really concerned that it would hit me because I was moving out of the way, but I was able to get it all on video, and people came up after. It's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, you sure? You're okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, I've seen worse things. <laughs> that was nothing. <laughs> um, I'm just also glad I should... that A and M. I was glad that A and M plane didn't come down over anybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. saved the best for last in your video, and that sucker just all those balls coming out, just like run away, run away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It'd probably be like a Jimmy Buffett concert. People just start smacking the balls around, in the crowd. <laughs> dribbling them and stuff, and yeah. passing them around. Yeah. Uh, well, the essays, you know, it's always entertaining. So kudos to the kids though for, for what they built. And they, there was a couple planes that literally looked like they were made out of spare parts, but they flew. So that's all that matters. Uh, yep. All that matters. Uh, all right. So. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for volunteering. Yeah, no guiding our youth, our youths, youths, future engineers of the world. Yep. Are you listening? FAA? Are you listening? Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Sorry. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> All right, well, yeah. let's change topics and talk about <laughs> trailers. Is that your trigger word, Lee? Trailer. <laughs> That's my expensive word. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny because I, I, I was actually talking to a friend today about... Uh, Volkswagen Beetles, big fan of Volkswagen Beetles. I'm not sure if we talked about it on our podcast or not, that uh, I've always wanted a 68 VW Bug, and I've been looking, and I have I got into one, and there are a couple that I actually 
almost, you know, well, at least I was attempting to buy, but the, they just fell through. But I've always wanted a Beetle, and then my our good friend Randy Larson out up there in Austin, and uh, he's he's a huge VW bug guy. He has, gosh, three or four he's working on. I can't begin to tell you all the specs, but, you know, <laughs> when we were talking, I asked him for advice. He goes, you know, you're just going to be pouring a lot of money into this thing. And so when I was like getting my trailer, it's like, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll save it. I'm going to, you know, give, treat myself my midlife crisis and buy me a new trailer. I won't have any problems. I won't have to buy anything new. And I was so wrong. <laughs> so I'm going to start with this. If you're thinking about getting an RC trailer, kudos to you. But whatever the price is, you're going to have to double it. <laughs> that's how. That's about how much you're going to add when you start thinking about all the little features and things that you want. And uh, I mean, I think... Fits, you got a great deal. I mean, you had a lot of stuff that was done, and obviously, you, you it was even more of a better deal because it was more of like they don't want to take it home; <laughs> they, want, they want to get it to someone right away. And then we used it for our trip to Perry, and it worked out great. And I can't imagine you want to make too many major changes, but you know that was a good deal for you. Me, I'm like I'm thinking big. I'm like this is the thing I'm going to take to trips. I'm going to you know have it for best. It's going to be awesome. And you know maybe I went overboard maybe <laughs> a little bit so when i start talking about insulating the ceiling and painting the roof and adding a solar setup and putting in shelves and painting spiral staircase spiral <laughs> the, the lcd screens the, the water bed uh no just, uh how about you ask me some questions because i can sit and ramble for a while all right what did you get and how big is it what are the I, basic specs i picked up a cargo mate 6x12 cargo trailer all right, so we had um, taken advice before about whether it should be a side door or a rear ramp or, I guess, rear doors or ramps. Where, what did you end up with? I went with a ramp. Okay. And so the concern with a ramp was that people trip over the cables. They do. <laughs> okay. And they also run it up against their bald head and make it bleed because uh. they were bending down to get something and they forgot to put the little... Uh, pool noodles on the wires. <laughs> you got snagged uh, already, huh? Yeah, I got I got snagged big time. My wife saw me and goes, what did you do? <laughs> I was like, is, is it bad? She goes, it's, you're bleeding all over your forehead. Um, yeah, so uh, pool noodles. <laughs> Highly <Okay>. recommend. <laughs> all right. So um, you're talking about all the modifications you did. I can picture shelves going in because you got to carry airplanes. What else is part of this equation here that I'm not I think I'll, I think I'm going to backtrack a little bit because we did I remember now we did talk on a podcast when we were following up on Perry where Fitz and I were taking pictures of people's trailers and it was fun I had so much fun with Fitz just walking down the line well that was going, a Joe Nall wasn't it oh oh I said Perry Joe Nall I'm sorry yes exactly because we were talking about Perry earlier uh and it was just neat to see all the different setups and one big thing and I'm not sure if Fitz if you followed up on this but we were looking at the e-track setups and it just seemed that more people were doing horizontal tracks on their wall than vertical. Hmm. But I chose to go vertical, and I feel like that was the best decision. But Fitz, I remember you looking at a track system that you liked that was like aluminum, maybe on the floor, or there were like different clamps and stuff that connected to it. Do you remember that? Well, yeah, I think it was on the floor, because I have vertical, like you, tracks on the walls. But on the floor, it looked like horizontal tracks. I guess you call them horizontal. I guess they're all horizontal. But the... Perpendicular to what's on the walls, those type, of, those tracks seem to be a good way too of moving, um, being flexible and bolting and affixing stuff to the floor. 
Yeah, it was like modular. There was something, I mean, yeah. just kind of like the clips that you have on the E-Tracks, but there was, I remember this aluminum bracket system that had a variety of ways that, oh, I think yeah. people were holding their landing gear down, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's right. And I remember, yeah, and I remember you talking about, yes, 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 that was different in yeah. the tracks, yeah. So I haven't stepped there yet. I haven't done anything on the floor uh, as far as keeping any big planes down. Um, but I went with a vertical E-Track. Mm-hmm. I went with three shells, and our good friend Sparky, uh, texted me uh, about uh, a week or two ago and said, hey, I know you didn't ask for my advice, but I've had trailers and here's my advice. (laughs) Mm. And it was good advice. And the first thing he did, uh, the first thing he told me was you want to paint the roof of that cargo trailer white. You want to get a you know rustoleum paint on that? He goes, I think I bought twenty eight rattle cans. I was like, I'm not, not going to go that route. So I did. I took his advice. I picked up a a gallon of this rustoleum paint, uh, gloss white. And prepped the roof with the kids' help and painted it uh, one early morning because we had the weirdest humidity and temperatures here. And I'm really happy with that. And I can say it felt like it did decrease the temperatures in there. Uh, Because most cargo trailers, if you buy them, they do not come with any protection, no foam in the ceiling. In fact, our friend Wally, uh, he was showing us his older trailer. And they, I don't know if they hired someone or if they did it themselves, but they used that expanding foam on the ceiling. And he just kept touting how, how much that really brought the temperatures down in the trailer. Uh, I opted to paint the ceiling white and, well, the top, the roof, excuse me. And I've put in several sheets of pink foam underneath, in between each of the joists there. So that has really improved the temperatures in the trailer. Um, so that was a good advice. The other thing, advice he gave me about the shells, and I'm, I, th- I think I'm going to agree with him completely because I took his advice on one of my shells, not all three. But the first shelves I built on a two by fours and I use simple three quarter, not three quarter, half inch ply, but it was like strips of, you know, it's like roofing ply. It's kind of cheap stuff that's in, you know, pieces. Okay. A sheeting type uh, ply and it's heavy. It's really heavy. So the two shelves in the back are just, are pretty heavy to get around. So on the other one, I went with uh, like a Luan panel, kind of, I don't know, a little bit less than quarter of an inch eighth of an inch maybe it's, it's not i don't know it's, i think it's actually five millimeters there you go i think they actually put a metric number to it and built a workbench table and it's so much lighter and i think you can actually strengthen it with more two by four you know studs and it'll be perfect so uh definitely he said you know you're gonna have a lot of weight back there you don't need that weight you're just hauling airplanes so good advice there just you know try to keep it light on the rails but i love the the, the vertical e-tracks because i can stack the shells high and low make a shelf up high for putting wings put a shelf in the middle to have planes going crisscross and then underneath it and then i have a workbench and the boys love it. They thought the workbench was the best part because they we know we can put planes on it when we're traveling. But when we take it off, we have a place to sit, solder, and all that jazz. And uh, that's working out well. So wrapping things up, the trailer just came back from a trailer shop, which I'll touch on this. When I first bought it, the next day, I took it to a trailer shop to put in a bulldog coupler and to uh, possibly change the axle, which is a, currently a leaf spring I was going to switch it to a torsion, single axle, highly recommended by so many people, and get electric brakes on it. That place had my trailer for three weeks and didn't do a single thing to it. So, What's a bulldog coupler? Instead of the simple coupler that holds on to the two-inch ball on your truck with a little latch, this actually has a sleeve that closes. It's spring-loaded sleeve that locks the ball. Okay. It's made of heavier metal, and I had so many people tell me that you wanted to go that route. So I just I took that advice. So um, 
I'll follow up here. That that place really stalled me. I didn't do any work because they had it for so long. So uh, I got it back. We started working on it. And then I called a place last week. They said, hey, if you come Monday morning, we can get that sucker in for you. And they weren't joking. I took it in this morning. I had a nice chat with these guys and picked out a coupler, came back you know, later in the day, and it was done, painted, and it works great. And hauled it home. So I feel much better about having this bulldog coupler. And then I left them. Uh, they're going to order the axle for me to uh, install, hopefully, when I get back from a vacation after uh, Camp AMA. And then hopefully tow the trailer to Air Venture with a new torsion axle. That's a, one of those other price tags, but I'll touch on that real quick, and we may have talked about it. The torsion actual gives you independent suspension for each wheel versus what is currently just a leaf spring. And I've seen lots of videos online of people recommending the torsion, which is kind of like rubber seals in, in the shaft so that it pushes against the, the rubber. And, it's, it's, it, again, I've heard some nice things about it. So I, I knew I wanted a, a nice trailer that would be safe, that my kids could use in the future, and uh, had a good ride. So I feel comfortable about that investment. It's just, unfortunately, I just couldn't get the first team to do it. Huh. And what else? Uh, I was working on it before we started the podcast. I'm going to work on it again before, when I go downstairs. <laughs> and then by Thursday night, which is a couple of days from now, I have to have that sucker loaded completely with all our gear for Camp AMA, our long drive to Muncie, Indiana. <sighs> Perhaps... But oh, why, what are you taking to Camp AMA that requires a trailer? Stuff for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, there's some of that, but how much? Because my stuff would easily fit in a Suburban. Because last year I didn't tell the boys they could bring more than one plane. I see. Because you could just tell me that, A, it's none of my business, or B, that you're not bringing stuff for me, and that's fine. I get it. Or or C, I might be shoving plywood overcast in there. <gasps> okay. And, I, I and, hope that would be as a demo plane and not and to letting, return it to me. And letting plywood overcast fly over IAC. <gasps> what an honor. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a possibility. I'll have the room for it. <laughs> <laughs> right. That you will. Okay. Well, good luck with the trailer. And I'd love to have a talk with Fitz and Fitz and I talking about solar setups because that's been, I want to say a nightmare. It's been very educational. I think, and I'm going to blame Fitz for giving me the, the urge to do it because he put those huge home solar panels on top of his and it actually sticks out the back like a shade. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's been, a, a, I will say I I knew I was going to be spending some money. So I'm, I, I set aside a lot of money for this trailer. I wanted to make sure. If I, and in fact, I got to, give a nod to my sons uh, Austin and Ryan have been helping me and uh, we just started talking about camping trips and how fun it would be that we can remove these shells and we can create like bunk beds in here oh, yeah. oh and we could put our bikes in here oh and we could put our fishing rods in here oh we can you know it, it, it keeps adding on and, and then Cindy chimed in this is even hilarious Cindy my wife chimed in she goes you know when Austin goes to college next year we're gonna need to haul his stuff and it's like everything lined up. Everything's like, oh yeah. So now I have a, I have something to haul his his personal gear. Uh, anyway, uh, so I, I think it'll be fun with the kids. And I, by the way, Ryan's already called dibs. Something ever happens to me, he gets he gets the trailer. He wants the trailer, and it's been fun. So I mean, I will say I hope to have many trips with these kids on on flying events and 
and and like again the camping stuff ideas because uh, that's another thing i think austin's gonna go check to see if his uh kayak fits <laughs> oh my god <laughs> if it does it's like all right we're off oh, all right man. well let's plan a follow-up conversation after you've driven it to camp ama so you can give us a road report and we can also talk about your gas mileage your gas <laughs> mileage yes and you you mentioned the solar system but also i've heard yeah. rumblings of um like recycled battery power oh, systems yeah. yeah so we well, can cover all that stuff oh well should i talk about the one deal fitz and i did make at <laughs> bomber uh, if you want to do you want to fitz yeah, it's up to you. Okay. Well, well, now it's mysterious. You have to. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, it might go into some really cool stories, but Fitz had some batteries. I think he should tell it, but Fitz had some batteries. He heard me chatting about it, and he has lent me some to play with. I'm hoping I will have time to use them. Um, but you should explain what you got them for, Fitz. I think it's a cool story. Okay. Well, where do I start? Yeah. Uh, Okay, so motorcycle. motorcycles. <laughs> so a few years ago, uh, I, I decided I had a epiphany, and I decided, you know, it would be fun to, to ride to work on a motorcycle. I get really good parking, nice weather. Even more interesting is if I had an electric motorcycle. And so that led me down a path to finding a frame for Yamaha FZR 600, which I converted to electric power. This had to be many years ago because you had this thing when I still lived in Houston. Yes. It's been nine years. Okay, okay. so many don't take 10 years ago. Okay. So, um, and I went through several different sets of batteries. First, I had lead-acid batteries, which worked, but I, then I realized as a learning experience, when you discharge lead-acid beyond 50%, it tends to really kill their life. Uh, so I killed them pretty quickly. Uh, so then I, I bit the bullet and went to a lithium based battery system, which worked much better. It was lighter, longer range that worked great for a while, uh, for several years until I moved and I didn't really do anything with the bike and the batteries were just died. I left, I have, uh, a passive balancing system on them. And so if you don't charge, you know, periodically charge the batteries, the balancing system will just kill the batteries. And so they over discharge and they're just dead. Uh, so through uh, a friend of mine, he um, f- uh, he was also was working on uh, building his own electric motorcycle. He had built one and bought one. He said, hey, I know a guy where we can get a bunch of lithium batteries so we can finish our motorcycle projects or refurbish them. And they are Nissan Leaf batteries. So they use the Life lithium iron phosphate lifeboat batteries out of nissan cars that have been crashed or salvaged or whatever and so you can get them on the used market for pretty good prices so they say you know, we can go in with me we'll buy a bunch of batteries and get a discount on them uh, i say yeah sure i'd like to rebattery my motorcycle so i ended up buying i think 12 of them and but i never got around to putting them in the motorcycle they've just been sitting <laughs> forever <laughs> um so i periodically check the voltages on to make sure they're good but i Decided that I probably, since I picked up the project car, I'm probably just not going to do anything with the motorcycle anymore. I'm going to get rid of it. Uh, so I decided, that's why, one of the reasons why I put the panels on the, my trailer, the solar panels, so I said, hey, I'll take some of these lithium batteries I had laying around and stick them in a trailer uh, and use them as a power source. Uh, but obviously I don't need all of them. And when Lee said, he was having issues getting the right batteries for his trailer. He was thinking of going to a 24-volt system. I said, 
And I said, hey, wait a minute. I got some extra of these lithium batteries. Yeah, you, if you can make use of them, it's better than having them laying around. And so, and that's how we ended up with six of my batteries. It was fun. <laughs> we, we did this deal and it, it, the best part was like people kept walking over what is that what do you what do you got there what is that <laughs> so how big and are these cells they're like a, the size of an ipad but four or five times the weight okay yeah they're pretty and stocky they're, they're probably about an inch thick okay and seven point something volts yeah yeah it's two they're two s so yeah they're two s yeah, yeah. So, okay four. and how many amp hours these are 40? about 40 yeah, these are okay. the Gen 1 version. So. so, yeah, that's a stout battery. Oh, yeah, they're very good. I mean, they're very they're in a metal case, uh, so they're you know, meant for automobile use. They have four, the holes around the perimeter, four holes, so you can stack them and then bolt them together with a long rod. Yeah. Speaking of plywood overcast, Lee. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's nowhere to put those suckers. Okay. Strap yeah. them to the bottom. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, you could conceivably make a uh, electric aircraft out of them. Probably man carrying electric aircraft. Huh. Maybe glider. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean but, a crude electric yeah. aircraft. Crude, yes. So anyway, Fitz, thank you. It's it's going to be fun to try. It's amazing if you guys, if anybody on uh, listens to our show and you're into solar, I'd love to get some feedback on what you have. Is it for your trailer? Is it for your home? Uh, do you use solar to like power back the grid or do you use solar as a backup? Uh, you know, just for fun conversation. I've just, gosh, I've learned so much and I've got two panels on the car, which... <laughs> And by the way, I'm not going to tell that story, but thanks, Fitz, for your help this weekend because I was completely a, a jerk, <laughs> an idiot on understanding my setup. And then Fitz had to go, uh, Lee, <laughs> flip this switch. Uh, and it worked. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just this learning process, but I can see the huge advantages. But the downside has been, and Terry kind of touched on it, is I already had purchased a battery, a marine gel battery. And the, <laughs> the crazy thing was I bought it like a, a month or two ago. And it's been sitting in the garage. I charged it, made sure it held a charge. And then when I go to buy a second one, when I decided to upgrade to 24 volts, they are nowhere to be found. They're just gone. And I got these from Sam's Club. So it's just, it's just weird that they just decided to discontinue this battery. So I can't match my battery. So that's when I was like, okay, now I got to go buy two, two different types of batteries, spend more money. And Fitz said, hey, well, why don't you try this? So if I hopefully have the time this week, I'm going to stack those together. Like he said, I can use a rod and just stack them together. Um, do you know what the screw size are, Fitz, by any chance? Are I they quarter 20, by any chance? I think they're metric. It's a Japanese oh. car, so probably yeah. metric. Oh. Are side so cases actually threaded? No. The, po- the posts are. Oh, I see what you're saying. They're attaching the wires. Okay. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it's nice because they're center taps, so you can balance the batteries, too, if you need to. Because there's two cells per cell. <laughs> yeah. Per, <laughs> per case, package. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so that kind of was a long story, but it's been fun, and I definitely see the benefits of this, and, you know, I wanted to have an ability. I also invested in a nice inverter, so that's the other thing is you, you want something that's good and good quality. I made my – this is my little uh, pad on my back. I made my solar setup so I could remove it. Now, the panels will stay attached to the cargo trailer, but my all my solar gear can be removed from the trailer, and if I ever lose power in this house, I can take the batteries – put them in the house with my inverter and I can have power, emergency power for a long time. <laughs> really? Yeah. All right. You're so, talking running the refrigerator. I could actually. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that great. Yeah. 
Now, yeah. obviously, you'd have to find a way to keep the other batteries charged, so I might have to have a separate solar unit. But I, it's funny, today when I picked up the trailer, I was driving out near Katie Fitz, and I got to tell you, there were tons, tons of houses heading north from I-10 that had solar panels. Huh. Like, this neighborhood must have been, like, solar-friendly, or someone drove around the town and said, hey, we do solar panel installations, and everybody was on board. So it, it's good to see, and I, again, I see the benefits. Now, granted, batteries are an issue, made and so forth, but hopefully we'll work on that. Gosh, what do they call it now? Lithium, lithium iron phosphate. Yep, they're so expensive on Amazon, like six hundred, six hundred bucks for a twelve volt, but hundred amp, two hundred amp hour. Cha ching. Yeah. Okay, all right. Solar so, yeah. got off. That's all right. We'll come back to that when you've made some progress on it. It'll be interesting, I think. You guys ready to not hear Fitz talk for a while? <laughs> okay. Was I really doing that much talking? Well, you were next on the agenda, so but you just got done talking. Not that oh. you're. What's you know, he? What's he want to talk about? But I still got what, stuff to talk about. Well, I know you do. We'll come back to you. Just okay, I'll be patient. Take a breather. Well, you want to take a little uh, Fitz break and then come back to Fitz. <laughs> A little commercial? Can you stick a nice commercial in here, Fitz? And we'll come back? <laughs> no, 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 you guys soothing go. voice. Tell everybody to get a cup of coffee because we don't want you falling asleep listening to Fitz. We oh, haven't voice. taken a commercial break yet. We should take a commercial break. We don't have commercials. have commercials. Well, then how about just a break? Okay. Well, I guess on Terry's insistence, uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, 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 it's Crazy Ray, and I'm here with another Hey, 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 Crazy Crash and Dead Sale. Yes, sir, our warehouse is filled to the roof with some of the hottest crash collections this side of the Mississippi. Last week at the 7th Annual Captain Carl Classics RC Fly-In has supplied us with some incredible piles of parts and accessories. Our collection truck came back with a handful of gently smacked landing gear, muddied long-darted engines, wing halves in various sizes, mysterious fuselages, buckets of extra ply and balsa wood, and the piece de resistance, a top flight giant scale, now micro scale, Corsair! You don't see that every day. So come down now before all these hot items are gone. And don't forget our motto, one man's crash is your new plane. All right, we're back uh, with me again, I guess. Yeah, fine, whatever. All right. Well, I just had a couple other things I wanted to touch on, and then you guys can have the whole show all to yourself. How about that? Hmm. We'll see. Uh, okay. Uh, so I mentioned uh, uh, Mike's B two, and uh, by chance I happened to be get a chance to fly the uh, Freewing B two myself. Not mine, but uh, our buddy Wally generously offered to let me fly his uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm pretty yeah. sure we predicted this would happen. <laughs> well, I'm doubly surprised because he, you know, he saw me pile my uh, caravan into the ground with extreme prejudice some months ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the fact he let me fly his plane was even doubly uh, surprising and generous. Uh, so I just wanted to touch on, you know, we had talked about it on the show, the Freewing B2 twin 70 millimeter, I believe. Uh, sure. Twin seventy, twenty, twin seventy. It's a neat model. There's a couple of things I didn't really realize until I had a chance to you know play with it and wiggle the sticks and stuff. And that a lot of it, there's quite a bit of gyro stabilization going on with it. And you know, not just in pitch, but 
the drag rudders as well. They have these split drag rudders on the wingtips. And they, fe they function as rudders, but when you add an aileron, the drag rudders will change too to, to prevent any, um, um, what do you call it, yaw coupling? Adverse yaw. Adverse right. yaw, thank you, uh, as well. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, one thing I didn't notice until uh, uh, Mike pointed it out was that the, the nose gear is kind of in the wrong position on the kit. It's too far back. And so people have been modifying the kit. Mike did hit on his too. He moved the nose gear forward to the more scale location. Oh, all right. Uh, and I'm not sure why they did that. It's why it's not accurate, but it's interesting. But anyways, just a real quick. Uh, it's it's an interesting flying model. It's not hard to fly, but it does have its nuances. And if I can remember correctly, uh, on takeoff it was nothing strange on takeoff. Maybe it's slightly sensitive on steering. Uh, but once in the air, it, it flies fine, but there's a couple of quirks I noticed. Uh, the, the drag rudders work pretty well, but it's a bit of a delay from them biting into the air. So when you um, when you hit the rudder, it, it, it kind of takes a second for it to kind of realize that you just did that, and then it'll kind of roll into the turn. And is there, there is, any differential thrust? No, not that I know of. Okay. Um, it, it's interesting that it does like rudders and turns. We just use the ailerons. Uh, I'm not sure if the mixing, if Wally did the mixing or it came like that because he had some mixing so that when he turned, it kicked in a little rudder because people were saying that it needs quite a bit of rudder. Well, Mike said his needed quite a bit of rudder for turns. So I'm guessing maybe Wally mixed in some rudder and a transmitter. It may not be uh, a stabilizer. Does this one have the clear rudder installed? It did not. Okay. So this was flying without the clear rudder. And to be honest, it flew just fine. I don't see really why you would need the, the rudder thing in it unless it was drastically different. But to be honest, it flew fine. It, it didn't even seem to hunt in yaw. It seemed pretty pretty good in maintaining uh, directional stability. Uh, uh, I even, he let me fly it a couple times. So at the second flight, I did some mild aerobatics. I looped it. And I did a stall turn. It did a really interesting stall turn. <laughs> really? So yeah. the only aero surface is the the clamshell thing, right? No, it's, it's, there's like a elevon as well in the back. Okay, but that's that's not doing any yaw for you, and there's nothing in the jet wash. Oh, no, correct. Yeah, just the split rudders. The split, so, huh. yeah. But they work really I'm, well. I'm just surprised that you had any control authority at the top of a hammerhead. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, there okay. were there were some interesting some uh, interesting comments when I did that. <laughs> Somebody wanted me to try knife edge. I was like, nah, nah, not gonna. <laughs> I don't think that'll work. Uh, it, it's it's other than that, it flies pretty honest. You can you don't have to fly at full speed. You can throttle back and it kind of tools around and it's reasonably re responsive. There is a couple times where it will kind of disappear. Uh, yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, like head on, it becomes really really kind of tricky to see. Uh, so just, you what just hang on. orientation? Orientation wasn't bad. Well, of course, Wally's has a big Texas flag on the bottom. So ah, okay. if you see a bunch of white and blue colors, you know, it's the bottom. Yeah. Uh, but you know, head on or sometimes in a weird turn, it'll kind of, the orientation will be a little tricky. It'll kind of semi disappear for a second. Uh, and also the, the biggest thing though was landing. And he kept telling me, he says, when you land it, don't cut the power. Keep about 10% power on it to touch down. 
otherwise, it may it'll tend to apparently tend to bounce a lot. Uh-huh. So, my first landing, uh, I think I had a bit more than ten percent, probably about twenty percent, and so it went a little long, and I backed off a little bit into a really nice touchdown and landing, and didn't bounce or anything. Uh, the The second landing, I did cut the power back a little too much, and I had like a bounce, uh, very minor one, but uh, I was able to recover with a burst of throttle. So it was a, probably the most interesting thing is just landing it. Land it under power. Don't try to flare it in, which a lot of people are having issues with. Uh, but all in all, it's, it's a, the model has more character than you would think for, for being you know, a, you know, a flying wing bomber thing. So I was, I, was, I was entertained flying it. All right. Is it fast? Uh, it's, it's moderately fast. Okay. It's not you're not going to win any races in it, but it's not a slow poke either. You can scoot along pretty good. Does have a good sound? Huh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, it sounded pretty good from what I remember. All right. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm glad you got to do that. Yeah, so am I. Thanks again for a while. for let me fly it. He was very, very kind and adamant that I take it up and try it around. Uh, remind me what power system that uses. Electric motors. Well. What size battery? Uh, I believe it's a success. Okay. Do you know what capacity? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I don't know. I just he just gave me the transmitter. And how long was your flight? Uh, I think I flew for about four minutes. Okay. Ish. And see, like I had plenty of power. I think that I think it has really good because you don't have to fly it at full throttle. You just kind of tool around and have throttle just fine. Uh. So it's pretty efficient on power. Okay. Do you think it would work off of a grass runway? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it would, to be honest. Um, I think the nose gear is a trailing edge. Actually, I'm looking it up right now. I'm cheating. <laughs> uh, I want to see a DLG. <laughs> DLG? <laughs> that fleet that thing in the air? Yeah. You might have to spin around a couple of times, but I'm pretty sure you can hand launch that sucker. No? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You might be able to be honest to be yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a six L four thousand to six thousand millipower battery. Okay. Well, you could just belly land it, Lee, and belly like slide yeah. off the grass. Absolutely. Yeah, why not? I'd say you could probably take it off of grass if it's yeah. shortcut. Yeah, it's just a big flying wing. It's all lift. Okay. Well, I bet if it can be done, some people have already done it. Yeah, so. I'm sure. If you have a B2 and you've flown it off grass, send us a picture. We want to see. Yeah, I'm really curious if it does. Uh, let's see. Oh, also, uh, you guys saw the uh, pictures of my the Legend Hobbies. Not Legend Hobbies. The <laughs> going to kill me. The um, uh, Old School Model Works. Oh, yeah. 109. Okay. Uh, Is it flown? Finally flown, yes. Nice. It looks I, good. You did a nice job with the covering. Oh, thanks. Which means you also did a nice job with the build because, you know. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. I didn't spend quite as much time prepping the, the frame as I would normally do. I was in a, in a rush, but I tried to make it look decent. Uh, so that was, I, I mained it at the Bomber Warbird event, as a matter of fact. With Lee there, have uh, generously taking some pictures of it for me. Yeah, I still have to give them to you, but yeah, I got yes. them. I'm holding them ransom. Where are my pictures? Give them my pictures. Uh, I got so one good one. That's all you need. 
So yeah, it was a little trepidation in, in flying it at the big event there, and, and it's a belly flopper, so I had to have uh, Mike graciously launched it for me. Uh, but it's a nice flying model. It was really, really nice flying. Uh, took a few rounds to get, to, to get it trimmed out the way I wanted, but uh, it's real honest flying, easy flying model uh, that uh, is, is, is pretty neat. And I ended up flying it a couple of times yesterday on Sunday as well at the local club to really explore the flight envelope and uh, was not disappointed. It's a nice, I hand launched it myself. I did both underhand and overhand launches and yeah, had no problems hand launching it and just had a good time just ringing it out, flying it around. It'll, it'll, it's got a pretty good flight envelope, you know, tool on pretty quickly, but you can really slow it down and put put around and uh, it's, it's got a fairly light wing loading for its size. Uh, and a couple of guys were really impressed with the, were curious about the design and the build. So uh, I call it a success. Uh, I'm trying to wrap up the review, and uh, you'll see it in uh, some upcoming issue of Model Aviation magazine. Did you put any cameras on board? No. Well, I haven't done a video of it to? yet. I've only done stills. Okay. That's an interesting question. I might put some cameras on board. I ain't drilling no holes in the wings, though. <laughs> I don't but, think uh, you have to. No, I can Velcro it like I usually do. Yeah. On different parts. That's a good idea. I'll have to do that. All right. Cool. I do the Congratulations video. on a successful maiden flight. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was, it was a it was kind of a rush build, build faster than I had intended. But uh I was happy to do it. Of course, one thing that made it easier was my brand spanking new air conditioner in the garage. Okay. You saw the picture? I don't know if you saw the... Tell us more. I saw a hole in your wall. Yes. So I had to cut a hole in the wall to stick an air conditioner uh, in the garage. So my garage is my workshop. It's a three-car detached garage with minimal insulation. And if anybody that lives in South Texas knows that means it's an oven. Wait, I thought you did some insulation a few years ago, like foam in the door and then a layer in the... Yes, I did. I said minimal, not none. Okay. So, yes, I actually put some insulation in the garage door, and I added some radiant barrier to the ceiling. So it's not 100%. It's about maybe 50% because there's still some areas I need to – I got to move some stuff around and go up and staple. But it helped. That helped a bit. And I've had a portable AC for some time, but, but it's only like maybe five, 6,000 BTU, something like that. And after I put it in, I, I find out that those portable AC units are really not all that efficient. So even though it was in there and I put a fan in front of it, it was basically, unless you're sitting in front of it, in front of the fan, it was just hot. It wasn't really doing all that much. So I'd have to limit my time during the summertime in the workshop to the, to basically mornings and evenings. And evenings were the worst, even though I'd try to open the doors up a bit, blow some air out. So I've been meaning to um, put an AC, and I'd gone back and forth between putting a unit like Lee has, the mini splits, uh, and... A window or two windows, and a friend of mine came over, and we had started doing some calculations. He says, "Yeah, well, you really only need you need about twenty twenty five thousand BTUs total. You can get two twelve thousand BTU units or something like that, uh, and that would do it. Instead of having to go through the rigmaroles of putting in a mini split. Uh, and I had talked to somebody about putting a mini split in, and that was gonna be kind of pricey." Uh, so when I picked up the, the, the plug-in hybrid car and I had an electrician come in to wire up the charger circuit, I asked him, say, Hey, while you're at it, would you 
can you wire me up a 240 volt plug on the back wall? Because I was thinking, hey, I'll get a, you know, to really get a real powerful AC, you can get a 240 volt unit. And uh, even nowadays, those are easier to find in a 120 unit anyway. So uh, I ended up picking up a 24,000 BTU 240 volt quote unquote window unit. Uh, it's barely a window unit, but, uh, I was able to pick one up from the local, uh, hardware store, whatever, whatever, Home Depot cash in a gift card I had. And I had it for a little while and I just hadn't got a chance of putting it in the wall, but over the Memorial Day weekend, I decided, okay, I'm going to finally bite the bullet and put this thing in and, uh, you know, get, cut a hole in the back wall of the garage, which was not something I took very lightly. Uh, and I had to buy a whole bunch of tools to do it. Cause I didn't have the hole saw. I didn't have the, I needed a jigsaw cause I had to cut through one of the, uh, joists. Uh, so I probably spent a couple hundred bucks and just random tools and parts and stuff. Well, that's and, the only redeeming thing about home improvement projects is you justify new tools. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, a, I picked up a couple of new tools out of it. I got a diamond or whatever you want to call it, uh, edge circular saw thing that was pretty pricey. So I can cut through a hardy plank. No problem now. But anyways, uh, this, I had nobody to help me and this thing was heavy. So I had to pick it up in stages and build a ramp and slide it up the ramp into the wall. Uh, but I got it in, turned it on and the thing has worked beautifully. It will nice. It knocks the heat out of the, that to the garage like you wouldn't believe. It's absolutely you know, has a family of penguins in there. Yes, <laughs> I've been experimenting, and uh, uh, it'll it easily will do. Um, it'll keep it at seventy five degrees. If I start it in the morning, it'll keep it at seventy two degrees. Ooh, man! Yeah, it's it's positively uh, chilly in there sometimes. My office is currently seventy nine degrees. <laughs> And this is a, a, like I said, a poorly insulated garage. So it's just absolutely amazing. And it's got, uh, what's neat about it is it's got a couple of different modes. It's got a dehumidifier mode. If I just want to dehumidify it, it's got a normal fan. It's got an echo mode, but it's got Wi-Fi functionality. So I can turn it on remotely. So if I'm at work and I know I'm going to come home in a little while, I can just, you know, open up the app on the phone, turn it on. Yeah, it tells me the internal temperature. It tells me the set temperature. And I can turn it on and off, change modes. Or even if I'm inside the house, I'm too lazy to go back out in the garage and turn it off. I can just turn it off from inside. It's really, really nice. The LG makes it. And, uh, okay. So far, it's working really well. That's something I should have done long, long, long time ago. So, But it's made life so much easier now that summer's here. So now you'll finish up all those projects. Uh, it'll make it a lot easier to finish up those projects, yes. And I've got a bunch. I, I can't say everything, but I've got, uh, I got a bunch of projects I need to work on. So, in that in that spirit, I'm going to stop talking. You guys can talk. Okay. And is that thing pretty efficient? Yeah, it's got. I forgot what LG calls it. It's got. Um, I don't know if it's a two stage compressor or something like that. It's they have some sort of technology that makes it more efficient to run. So being two forty volts already pretty efficient, but they have. Uh, built-in efficiencies too, but we'll see when I get my next electric bill how bad it is. But yeah. uh, at, at this point, it's worth it not to be sweating up a storm in the garage. Yeah, sure. 
All right. Congratulations. Uh, thanks. Well, the last few times I gave you guys updates on my status up here, they weren't really updates at all. Between the weather and a never-ending list of house projects here, I had not done much since last fall, maybe, probably since the Neat Fair. And that has changed. I've been to the flying field twice in the last three weeks, maybe four weeks. And uh, it was nice to be reminded just how much fun it is to go and fly an airplane. <laughs> nice. Isn't I, it? I think I'd forgotten it. It had been so long. I knew I still liked airplanes, but I just hadn't experienced it. And that first time, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what it feels like. So it was fun. I've had a, a good time. And the airplanes that I've taken both times were these, uh, I think last spring, I paid $20 each for them as bind and fly models. One of them was a Hobby Zone Glass Air Sportsman, which you guys, I'm sure you've seen. It's a high wing. It's actually a scale model of a for real airplane. It's a high wing, front engine, you know, tricycle gear job. And I had one a few years ago, and I want to say by that time, Horizon was selling it as one of their GPS-equipped things that had the auto land and all that. Anyway, I got rid of the version I had before. This one was an earlier version of that that had a very rudimentary, almost prototype variant of safe on it. So I had some bank limiting and things like that. I didn't know any of this. All I did was bind it to a transmitter and I took it to the field. And then when I got it to the field, I realized that one of the aileron servos was stripped and the landing gear was a little bit wonky, but the stripped gear, it didn't move. So I'm like, all right, I'll just fly it with one aileron. No big deal. So I took it off. And as soon as I took off, that thing was wonky. You could tell that it was getting some sort of assistance from something and it wasn't calibrated well. So I was able to get it around the pattern a couple of times and landed it. And then I brought it back home and figured out that it had some weird safe thing on it. And I figured out how to override that. And also it had some wheel pants on it. So I removed the wheel pants since I fly off a grass runway. And I replaced the strip servo. And I took it back out over the weekend. And that thing flies really nice. It's just a simple easy to fly, but we'll still do some aerobatics and just kind of a nice middle of the road, no stress airplane. And Mark was with me and we both had fun flying that thing. So I figure I got my 20 bucks worth out of it already. The other model is a foamy Cessna 182. And I'm not really sure who makes it. Maybe it was Art Tech, but it's got, I don't know, like a 50 inch wingspan, something like that. Uh, four channels. And again, I didn't do anything except bind it to my transmitter and take it out there and fly. And that one I actually had pretty good success with on the first outing. And then when I brought it home, I was taking the wing off and it had these tiny wood screws that held the wing on. And as I was taking it apart, the plastic that those wood screws thread into broke apart. So I'm like, all right, I need to upgrade this. So I ended up doing some simple fixes to hold the wing down with quarter 20 nylon bolts. And in doing that, I also took off the wheel pants that were on that model. And then I figured out that the nose gear mount and some other stuff was loose. So I just did kind of a once over the whole thing, tightened up some stuff. 
And I took that one back out yesterday, and it does really well, too. So it was even better than before. So I'm just really happy that I was flying these two cheapo $20 airplanes and had a ball with them. I flew both of them a couple times yesterday. So That's good to hear. Yeah, the cheapskate in me just uh, was really happy with himself. And I was also reminded that I just, you know... You guys are aware that I like to design weird stuff and build stuff from scratch and all that, but I still like fixing up old crappy airplanes too. It's, I don't know, something satisfying about just taking something that shouldn't work well and doing some simple things and making it fly right. I've got two of them coming your way. (laughs) (laughs) That makes my heart happy. Bring them to you, man. Yeah. So, yeah, Kyoshos are my favorite, but yeah, just about anything is just fun to. It's almost like routine maintenance, really, but it's just fun to see it transform from something with problems into something that flies right. There's some satisfaction in that. So I've been having fun. Oh, (laughs) another thing with that Cessna, I had to take the cowling off, which means I had to take the spinner and the prop nuts and all that off. And it had a propeller on there that simply did not fit the prop adapter that was on there. And I didn't realize that until I took it apart. It was kind of bubble gum and duct tape in place. So I got rid of all that stuff and I put a correct size APC prop on there and it worked really well yesterday. So yeah, just a bunch of little things like that is really all it takes. And yeah, it's still, I'm way ahead of the game price wise with this. And originally when I bought them for 20 bucks, I'm like, well, even if they're garbage, I'll just strip the electronics out and I'll use it in something else. But yeah, I'm going to, hang on to these for a little while now. I'm having fun with them and I won't be heartbroken if I smash them into the ground. Hmm. It's nice. Have some cheap fun. Yeah. So with that said, that's the end of my update. Uh, Lee, do you got any last minute things before I wrap this up? Just that we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about. I'll be at Camp AMA. Hope you guys tune into uh, AMA's uh, Facebook and YouTube channel. I'll do some live stuff there. And AMA Air, I think I'm going to do an AMA Air live. So that's it. Oh, from the studio? I'll be out at Site 1. With the, okay. with the kiddos from Camp AMA, and Ooh. Matt will be live in the studio. Look forward to that. Yeah, for sure. Field report. Ah, cool beans. All righty then. On that note, I think we'll head out. Thanks, everybody, for listening for the, for the whole two hours. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts, where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.